0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text from the ninth chapter of St. Mark, the Holy Gospel, these words, And when they came to Capernaum, and he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about which was the greatest. And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last and the servant of all. And he took a child, and he put the child in the midst of them, and taking the child up in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Most interesting, isn't it, that here we have in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each of them reporting the incident that we read about in the Gospel for the day, Each of them reports in their own way the argument that took place, or that an argument took place between the disciples as they walked along the road. It's interesting because not a one of them though, though they report the fact of the argument, not a one of them reports the details of the argument that ensued between the disciples. No details about it, no blow-by-blow description of the words that were exchanged as they tried to establish their position above the other. Nothing in retrospect at all about the argument that happened. It's as though they were simply too embarrassed to even want to talk about it, and any thought that the Holy Spirit might cause the the very arguments that they had in the words exchanged to be recorded for all of history was certainly beyond their thinking but it's most interesting that they don't record the substance of the argument that they had and that's certainly understandable because I can well imagine what that argument between the disciples must have had as they argued about who was the greatest can't you imagine Simon Peter saying well look I really don't want to play this card but after all I am called the rock remember he called me that Petros the rock Chief among the disciples perhaps I'm not just in the inner circle but I'm the chief and the right hand man I'm the spokesman for the group I'm the one who will make that great confession upon which he built his church come on if you're looking for if you're looking for someone who's greatest among us well well Andrew then must have spoken up and said well wait a minute dear brother and he was after all the brother, remember, of Simon Peter wait dear brother let me remind you of something that you've obviously and conveniently forgotten he called me to be his disciple before he called you in fact it's through me that he called you introduced you to himself but he called me first in fact it would be later on that history would call Andrew the protoclete, the first called he called me first you wouldn't even be here Peter if it weren't for me so let's get the order straight I was here first I was first and then the older brothers the other brothers James and John because Peter and Andrew weren't the only ones but brothers but there were also Peter and I mean James and John who were there who were called the sons of thunder and they weren't called the sons of thunder for nothing they bolt their way into the bait because both Peter and Andrew had said you two are off course you're out there fishing in the boat in Galilee all the time you're fishing on the wrong side of the boat you're missing the point greatness is measured by sacrifice they would say and look we the sons of Zebedee we gave up much more than you did we gave up a lucrative business we gave up a fortune we gave up all the money that we had in the bank that we sacrificed in order to follow Jesus if we're going to talk about who's great look at us And somebody say something about money and you can imagine Saint Matthew probably thought that somebody say something about money if you want to talk about money fine I I can play that game let me tell you about giving up money I made more money in a day of collecting taxes than all four of you fishermen working your fingers to the bone out there in that fishing boat I made more collecting taxes and yet I gave up all of that business in order to follow Jesus so if you want to talk about who sacrificed the most materially you're looking at him the disciples of our Lord we don't know what exactly the argument was that took place we don't know what the exchange of words might have been but what I've described certainly defines the character of each of those men in so many ways it was tied to what they were and the occupations that they had they did though argue about who was the greatest among them they had that same condition that people in our day have that you and I have the condition of me sickness of I centeredness of egocentrism that says First and foremost, what's important in this world is me and what happens to me and to mine. Me sickness. That's in every man, woman, and child ever since our primordial mother and father, Adam and Eve, attempted to preempt God, putting themselves before him, concern for others. And it happens still. It's going to happen in the lives of every man, woman, and child until that last day on earth comes. Pandemic pandemic in nature it is much more pandemic than the swine flu that we're all considered about it's a it's a pandemic condition that spreads to all men of all places and affects us all in such amazing ways as we live that knee sickness and it's more pronounced indeed in some than it is in others remember the philosopher back in the 1960s who who wrote a book on rand who wrote a number of books but in one particular one entitled the anthem Rand describes how me-centered Rand had become. He says, I ask none to live for me, nor do, I, nor do I live for others. I am done with the monster of the we, the, the word of sur- firstdom, of plunder, of misery, of falsehood and shame, and now I see the face of God and I raise this God over all the earth, this God whom men have sought since men came into being, this God who will grant them joy, this God who will give them peace and pride, this God, this one word, I. Rand makes man ultimately to be God. That's the me-sickness in its extreme, but it's a bug that's bitten us all, not to the extreme that Ron had it, but it certainly still has bitten us all, congenital spiritual disease, a hereditary condition which found its origin in Adam and Eve and in their primal dissatisfaction with being second to anyone, even to God, a condition that passed on indeed to their first son Cain who murdered his own brother because he couldn't stand the thought of being in second place even that his brother's sacrifice unto God would have been more pleasing to God than his own and so he murders him fratricide, homicide, genocide, infanticide the senseless slaughter of others who might interfere with our designs and with our desires in life as human beings. You want something, you don't get it, St. James said in today's epistle lesson. And so what do you do? You kill, you murder. You can't have what you want and so you take. As one wise soul once said, it's human nature to secretly enjoy the inferiority of even our own friends. We'd like to think ourselves above all of that. We'd like to think that we've gained some degree of mastery over our selfish thoughts and putting ourselves before each other and yet how often it happens in our own lives and in our own relationships that we strive and we struggle with each other for what we individually want and what we insist upon pitting ourselves against each other as we compete with one another for control in our families, in our relationships, and the consequence, of course, of that pitting against one another our destroyed relationships so often hurting each other to get our own way the ruin and the destruction and the disorder that has come to so many families and so many homes and so many rent relationships and friendships because we sinners have allowed this me sickness this I centeredness to disrupt our lives together that's what the Apostle James is talking about in our epistle lesson for today when he says for when you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and you find every sort of evil practice what causes fights and what causes quarrels among you don't they come from your desires he says that battle inside of you you want something but you don't get it and so you kill and you covet but you cannot have what you want and so you quarrel and you fight you do not have because you don't ask he says and when you do ask you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives you ask so that you may spend what you have on your own pleasures I centeredness, me centeredness egocentric it won't work James says it won't work because and then he goes on to state it so clearly he says it won't work because God opposes the proud our Lord Jesus put it another way When in lovingly confronting his twelve disciples for the foolishness that they were exchanging as they debated about who was the greatest among them, he sat them down. And he took a small child that was there close by, lifted the small child, it says, up into his arms, and looked at the child and said, Whoever would be first must be last must be the servant of all and then taking that small child in his arms he says look at these, these little children these little babes in arms, these little ones who stand in place in fact they don't even dare stand in place very long because they wouldn't be able to take a step were it not for someone there holding them a stronger hand than their own, look at the, at the little children helpless as they are, look at them But a few days ago, I held my youngest grandson, little James Richard, in my arms to baptize him in the hospital. He's doing fine. He'll be coming home, thankfully, today. But we didn't want to wait another Sunday, having already waited one, to have him received by God and baptismal grace into the kingdom of God. So he's been baptized, but we'll celebrate that later. But you don't hold on to a little child in a neonatal center, intensive care unit, who's plugged up to all kinds of cords and tubes and electronic devices without thinking how helpless and how absolutely and utterly dependent they are for life and for living upon others that are about them. You don't hold on to infants in that kind of condition without thinking about how dependent they are they they cry when they're hungry that's about all they can do they they don't even understand and know their immediate need they have no pride certainly in themselves because there's nothing they've done to accomplish they don't even think of those things they have no illusions of greatness they have no selfish ambitions that drive them they're simply little sinners that are there in the hands and in the mercy of God no illusions of greatness they're simply sinners in the hands of God in the mercy of God nothing more absolutely nothing with which they might impress him no claim to fame no claim to fortune no credentials no degrees no successes that might make them look better than others no decision that they made to follow the Lord Jesus no record of service in his kingdom of which they might boast Nothing at all in the eyes of the world that makes people greater or greater than others, and yet what joy these little children bring to the lives and to the world. It's in such as these, Jesus says, it's such as these who are greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The only claim for fame that counts for anything there in heaven is the fame of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the only ones who have it are those who like little children are held securely in the arms of his grace and have nothing of themselves of which to boast but can boast only in the grace of the lord jesus christ and so scripture says god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble and that's how he does it through his son to those who stand helplessly as beggars before him claiming nothing Nothing at all of their own, but depending totally upon the grace in Christ that is given to them because of what he accomplished for them upon the cross and delivers to them. Such as these he takes into his arms and he blesses them and he unites them with himself through holy baptism wherein he puts Christ on them. He unites them to the work of Christ and the cross. Christ who came not, remember, scripture says, to be served but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many he who saint paul says took on the form of a servant and humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death even death upon the cross for us and he comes to us still today as a servant in his word to speak and comfort us in his sacrament here to give himself to us bringing us the blessings of that cross that he accomplished for us and giving it to you today in the very sacrament of the supper that you receive therein lies greatness this is grace not that we came to him or have done anything at all for him but rather that he has here come to us and he here serves us still this is greatness this is the grace of god that when it comes to your salvation and to mine It's all his work. It's all what he has done. He redeemed me on the cross. He delivers to me from the cross all of the blessings that are mine, all that make me his forever. Oh, Lord, if only we would all see that in our own lives and how it works its way out. I love that ancient legend that was told long time ago about a man who by God's grace was selfless in servant. Remember, it's only a legend, but it has a lesson that is told with it. But he was as loveless this man was, this old man, as any mortal could be. He was so loved indeed by the angels that approaching the throne of God with wings covering their faces, they bowed down before God and they asked that God might give this man one special power, an angelic type of power that would be similar to their own. And so the legend goes that God permitted them to ask the man to make a choice of one angelic gift that he would most desire. Overjoyed for the man, a vanguard of angels leaves heaven, makes their way to the man's modest home, made their presence known to him, proceeded to tell him of their request. The Lord, they said, will bestow upon you, good sir, the gift of your choice. And to their surprise, the old man said, Thank you, good sirs, but I'm content, perfectly content with what he's already given me in Christ. I seek absolutely nothing more. Persistently, the angels urged him until finally, though reluctantly, he made this request. He said, I would ask then only this, for the power to do a great deal of good in this world without ever knowing what I have done lest I'm distracted by it from the grace and from the goodness of my Lord the angel smiled they faded from sight and ever thereafter so the legend goes the shadow of that man had wondrous healing power and yet not when it was cast before him where he might see it but only when it was cast and would fall behind him where he would never know of it at all. It's only a legend. But as I said, it's a legend with a lesson. Because true greatness lies not in those who see or seek greatness in themselves, nor is it found in even those who do good for God and for others and find therein some claim to fame on earth or in heaven. True greatness like that of little children is to be found where the greatness of Jesus Christ is the only greatness known. And where nothing that we do detracts even for a moment from it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.